friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Girl Means Business podcast. Thank you so much for being here this week. We are full on into December and the holidays, so hopefully you are enjoying some time with your family, doing some fun holiday activities. I know one of our personal favorites is going and looking at Christmas lights. So we've been taking one night a week, and we will find a fun neighborhood. We'll pick up some hot chocolate or make some to take with us. And we'll just go drive around and look at all of the wonderful lights. It's so fun to see everybody getting really excited for the holidays. And a lot of people are going all out this year when it comes to their decorations. So it's been super fun to get to go do with our girls. We're also watching lots of fun Christmas movies. So I have a favor to ask you. If you have a favorite Christmas movie that you have watched with your kids, I would love to know what you're watching with your family. We have two girls, eight and four. And our oldest one is really into the more traditional Christmas movies. I say traditional, more less of the cartoon type movies and more of the like actual holiday movies. So she watched Home Alone um, and she watched part of the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with us. Um, And so she's really enjoying kind of more of the traditional movies that my husband and I would watch around Christmas. So any suggestions you have, feel free to head over to Instagram, send me a DM or shoot me an email. Okay, one more thing before we get into today's episode. One of the best ways for you to show your appreciation for this podcast and for all the work that goes into creating these episodes is for you to share them on social media with your family and friends. So all you have to do is take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to It could be this one, or it could be another episode that you've really enjoyed and post it to your social media, your Instagram or your Facebook stories, and make sure you tag at girl means business. Think of it as your Christmas present to the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And I'll be resharing those of you that tag me as well. Thank you again so much for all of your support. I can't believe that we're coming up on two years of the podcast. It's been so fun and so amazing. And I can't wait to wrap up 2020 with the rest of the episodes we have coming up this month. But today I am chatting with Naomi Powell. Now, Naomi is a mom and an entrepreneur, much like those of us listening. And she knows that while it could be fun, it also comes with mastering the balancing act of learning how to be fully present in both areas. She shares her journey to motherhood and how she finds joy in both motherhood and entrepreneurship without sacrificing one for the other in her podcast, The Lifestyle Edit. She is also a business and mindset coach, helping women go from underbooked and underpaid to consistently attracting and converting ideal clients through magnetic marketing and soulful sales. And she does that in her Grow With Intention membership program and Thrive Mastermind. I am so excited for you to hear our conversation today. Now, a quick little caveat before I jump into the interview. I was having some technical difficulties on my end during this interview, so my audio may not sound as great this week. I apologize for that. Um, I was having microphone problems, but the content is still amazing, no matter how bad the audio quality might be. All right, guys, let's get into my conversation with Naomi. All right, guys. Hi, I'm here with Naomi. Hi, Naomi. How are you today? 
I am so well, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you. I appreciate your time today. So I want to start with just tell us a little bit about who you are, your journey into entrepreneurship and what you do today. So hi, everybody. I am Naomi Powell. I'm the founder of The Lifestyle Edit, and I have the honor of working with coaches, consultants, all about kind of getting their work in the hands of more people that they can serve. One of the biggest things that my clients have is that they are facilitating these incredible transformations for their clients. The people that they work with love what they do, but they come across some challenges when it comes to selling, marketing themselves, and just also the belief that they get to do meaningful work and have a business that truly supports them financially too. So that's where I really come in. I support them in getting strategies, marketing strategies that feel really expansive and aligned to them because all marketing means is letting the people that you can serve know that you exist, know that a solution exists. So giving them the strategies, but also supporting them through kind of shifting some of the beliefs that they've had about marketing that's kind of kept them stuck. And then also how to consistently attract them through magnetic marketing and soulful sales. I am on a mission to support more creative, more coaches, more heart-centered entrepreneurs to really shift the way that they think about selling from the kind of icky salesman trying to convince people to buy something that they don't want rhetoric that we're all familiar with to the notion that selling is soulful, selling the, the transformation comes on the other side of the sale, right? We've created these programs and these packages that facilitate huge transformations with our clients they're not going to be able to get that if they're not. If we haven't invited them to join us in any of these containers. So that's how I'm working with clients right now. And it's one of those things, and Kendra, I'm sure that you feel the same way, that when you look back on your past journey, you can see like the little breadcrumbs that mm-hmm. kind of like brought <laughs> you there. Um, so just to give you guys a kind of brief background of me, I started my career as a fashion editor. I started I got my first job, one of the youngest um, editors of a national newspaper, the ripe old age of 21, two weeks after I graduated from college. And it was in many ways my dream job. I was always in love with magazines and publishing and storytelling. And yeah, it was one of those moments where you get your dream job at 21 and then, you know, do that for many years and get to a point where you're like, okay, and now what? I loved it. But it got to a point where I wanted more. So in terms of what I was doing, I would go and interview these incredible female founders that were behind some of the biggest, brightest lifestyle brands that we all know and love. But I'd go back to the office with hours upon hours of transcripts of interview, and it would always be condensed down to, they have a new collection coming out. They have a new partnership. It comes out next week, go and buy it. And I'm like, Dude, you're li- we're literally scratching the surface. Like, come on. And you've got to remember that this was like seven years ago. So it was a time where people weren't talking about entrepreneurship. On one side, it was very kind of masculine, corporate, you know, middle-aged white guy behind a desk in Forbes on one <laughs> side. Or you had the kind of lifestyle titles that I've worked in and read that it was just fashion, beauty, lifestyle. It almost forgot all of the other areas that, just part of being a woman and 
a woman of that age, you know, the things that we were experiencing. So it left out all of that stuff, navigating career, navigating all of that kind of stuff. So I felt like there was a real gap to be having these really honest conversations about what it means to be a woman in business and not just the inspiration, because I think that's important, but going beyond that, because I think we've all had those interviews that we've read and you're just like, wow, this is amazing. Oh my God, Sarah Blakely, what she's done is incredible. But I wanted to show people like, how did people like Sarah Blakely become Sarah Blakely? I wanted to know the behind the scenes stories. What were the sliding doors moments? What were the struggles? How did you overcome those struggles? How did you, what were the strategies? How, what were the mindset and the personal growth that you had to do to facilitate that? So I was just like, this, this needs to happen. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how this is going to be a business, but I just know that this content needs to be out there. And I was in a fortunate position that I had a lot of great relationships just by virtue of what my job was. Um, so I came to New York as one of my best friend's weddings and I was just exhausted. You know, on the other side is that on the surface, I had the dream job, but I was just, I was overworking. I was tired. I was that person who was constantly like hoping that a friend would cancel like (laughs) plans so that I didn't have to be the person that canceled again. And just my life on the flip side was just kind of in the toilet. So it looked like I had all of the trappings of this amazing thing. I was traveling, I was meeting all these great people, but I was just morbidly unhappy. And yeah, I had that moment. I was in New York. It was the first time where I had like a moment to just pause. Because I think for many of us, we're just constantly doing the motions that we don't actually have this kind of reflection point. And one of my best friends said to me, like, Naomi, what's the worst that can happen? You are known in your industry. You have great contacts. The worst that can happen is what you're doing right now. You literally go back to doing it. So what you're telling me then is that right now you're living your worst case scenario. So (laughs) it can't be that bad, right? What's the worst that can happen? Like you, you know, you move out of your place, you downsize, you go back home, you know, you come to New York, you stay with me. Like you're doing like, your worst case scenario is not that bad. You're living your worst case scenario right now. And I went back, left the job, started the business, ended a five-year relationship, literally like brought everything came crumbling down and I rebuilt and the lifestyle edit was born. And one of the things that really helped me was that because I had all of this background and this expertise and I just used that to, we created a consulting business when I first started. So that was really what was cash flowing my business while I was really working on the content side because creating content in of itself is not a business. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that I was like serving these women. I was giving them the content without in the back of my mind feeling like, how do I need to monetize this and kind of diluting what my vision was for the company from the beginning. So I had a consulting company where I was kind of the the bridge, right? I came from that editorial background, but I was constantly working with brands who at that time were navigating the changing print landscape. They all of a sudden needed to be online, offline, working with influencers, having events, creating content of their own and just kind of helping them with navigating what this new marketing landscape looked like. Um, So that really gave me the cash cushion to really pour into my business, really build an audience, build a tribe um, while I was figuring out what those next steps would look like. And just because I was kind of sharing some of the work that I was doing with these big brands, like 
the women in my community was like, I love the interviews. I love the podcast, but like, what's next? I really need the support. Like, how can you make some of those insights available to us? Um, and that's how my coaching business is born. Wow. What an incredible story. And I, I love that you saw a gap in something and that's what you aim for. Cause that's, that's exactly what business is. It's, I mean, that's the epitome of pioneering something. And those are the stories that a lot of people listening to these podcast episodes built their business based on was those behind the scenes stories, those moments where you do get to hear not just the look at the great new thing this person's done, but look at the journey it's taken to get them here. That's the inspiration. I know for me anyway, you know, when I was first starting, because I started out in entrepreneurship, I guess, eight years ago. And I, those stories weren't readily available. And luckily, like over time, you know, you, throughout being in business, I kind of would get to talk to people. Like you said, you had a unique position with your business. I mean, your, your job that you got to hear those stories. But, you know, when I was first starting my business, those weren't available. And so I was looking at it like, oh my gosh, look at the success of these people. And you don't get to hear all that goes into Mm. that one little moment of success. I think that's so incredible. It's so incredible. When you touched on something, you know, at one point in your story that I love too, was just talking about like the mindset of business and the mindset of marketing and just the fact that it's, we have all these ideas in our head of, of what things are supposed to look like or what we think they're supposed to look like or be like, but really understanding that it's not, it's not everything that you see in movies and TV and, and online sometimes. There's so much more that goes into building a business and building a brand and marketing that brand that is around how you think about your business which I think is really huge too. Um, How, what a great story. I thank you so much for sharing that with us. So today I know we're going to talk about marketing and sales and just how to, I guess, shift that mindset to understanding marketing as not being something that feels like you're a used car salesman in a parking lot trying to get someone to buy something from you. So let's kind of start there. What are, what are some of the things that or I guess the misconceptions around marketing that that you've noticed that maybe we can kind of change the narrative around. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. 
So the thing with Mark with the marketing part is that there, there's so much mindset drama that I see come come up when it comes to marketing. It's like on one side, it's like, what have I got to say? Everybody said it before. Like I'm in a crowded space. Like that person has more experience than me. So I surely couldn't have anything else to add. Or so there's a lot of that kind of just doubting that we have anything worth communicating because that's all marketing is, it's communicating. So we get into our heads there. And then it's obviously what we make the marketing mean in terms of sales. Sales and marketing are completely different things. So the marketing is the communication, the actual kind of the the vehicle that enables us to even be in a position to invite someone into the offer. And the sales part is like the conversion of that messaging. Um, So then because we're so triggered often about the sales part, we don't lean into our marketing. We don't talk about what we do. We don't let people even know about our offer or how we can help them. Or So naturally, because of that, oftentimes, this, we don't even get to the sales part because we're so afraid of even sharing what we do. Um, so those are just some of the misconceptions. So then, you know, sharing about my offer means that I'm being really salesy. I'm pushing, I'm pushing my agenda onto somebody else. If I make a sale through my marketing, somebody else loses out, you know. And yeah. so often when I speak to entrepreneurs, like, they'll spend a lot of time focusing on like all of the people in the online space that actually really triggers them and why they don't like it. And I'm like, that's totally fine. So what feels authentic to you? Let's spend less time focusing on what triggers you and what you feel is icky in the online space. Okay, what would it need to look like for you to feel good about showing up in this space. And that's the thing. We don't need to follow anyone's blueprint. And that's why with my coach, with my coaching, when you look at my client, the marketing strategies that we do, that all of them are doing are completely different because Mm -hmm. the first thing is about you being really crystal clear and having clarity on like what actually feels good to you. All of the strategies work, right? Yeah. Yeah. We know that because Every, this one's doing a webinar, this one's doing this, this one's doing stories, this one's doing podcasts, someone else is doing YouTube, they all work. So what? whenever they don't work, it's because it doesn't feel in alignment <laughs> with you. And then you haven't followed, you haven't followed through, right? And that's yeah. often because you don't feel in alignment. So I always ask, like, if this were to feel good for you, if you were to feel inspired and excited about sharing, what would that need to look like? And that's where the how can start to unravel. But those are just some of the common misconceptions that you get to do it your own way. Stop subscribing to the belief that marketing has to look in that way that right now is triggering you. Yeah, that, oh, that's so good. I haven't heard it, you know, kind of put exactly that way, but I've said it in other ways too. And, and I think that I, and I say this a lot on my podcast, I say this a lot in my, in my coaching and my mentoring groups is, you know, I can tell you what I've done. I can tell you what works for me, but you have to figure out what works for you. And I see so many other entrepreneurs and coaches out there saying like, this is the way, this is the path. You have to do it like this. And it, it makes me want to scream back. No, you don't have to do it just like that. Because, you know, I was told all along, you have to have a blog, you have to write, you have to create written content. And I spent years trying to force myself to create written content that did not feel like my, it wasn't authentic to me. I don't enjoy yeah. writing, creating written content. I enjoy having conversations with people 
And so when I discovered podcasting, I was like, oh, this is what I should have been doing all along. And it's, it's magical. I think when you find the lane that fits for you. And I think so many women are listening to other people saying, no, this is the way to do it. And this is the way to do it. And there's nothing wrong with experimenting in those different areas to find what fits for you. But it's when you have that idea that like, I have to do it this one certain way that you get stuck in, and it doesn't feel natural to you. So finding what is feels natural to you and is in alignment and is something that you thrive in. That's, that's the key. I think that's really, really smart. Because I think, Kendra, one of the, the, the downsides, the, the ways that our corporate jobs kind of did us a disservice is that up until the point where we start our businesses, being in a corporate job is about making as few mistakes as possible. It's about following a blueprint. It's about just following what as a chosen path. So we those are the things that actually make us unsuccessful when it comes to running our businesses. We need to be able to have a healthy relationship with making mistakes. We need to be able to test things, see how we feel in them, iterate, pivot. Um, in order for you to step to to have new results, you have to try new things. So it's weird. There's like this awkward in between stage in the early stages of business. So we're still playing by the old rules of our corporate job, which just are not conducive to growing um, a business, right? Yeah, so oh, absolutely. Hence, so hence why when we then enter into the entrepreneurship world, we're like, can someone just tell me what to do? Can someone just tell me A to Z, step <laughs> one, two, three, and I will do it. And so it's just a completely different way of thinking. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and I hadn't thought of it that way. like the way that we're kind of conditioned to, yeah. I mean, and when you're in a corporate job or when you're working for someone else, you're working towards their end goal, not your own. And so, yeah, you are following the blueprint they give you. And then you have to completely switch gears when you go your your own way. And it, it takes a lot to, to make that mental shift sometimes, because, you know, even as a kid going through school, I mean, we're always taught, like, there's one way to get to the answer and there's one way to do certain things. And this is how you do it. And this test is going to tell you whether you did it well or not, you know? And so even yeah. childhood, we're told like, put yourself into this box and make it fit. And then all of a sudden you start a business and everybody's like, no, figure it out for yourself. Try different things, fail, fail at things. And we're like, no, that's so scary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's why when I often have conversations with people, it will be like, I took that person's course and I did everything or whatever. And I didn't get the same results that they promised. And I was like, but do you actually like doing video content? Do you actually like mm-hmm. doing webinars? Do you actually like any? It's like, no. And then they're like, I was like, so what does feel good to you? Like drop into your heart. Like what would that look like? And they're like, they don't, we don't even realize that we actually get to do what we like to do. And there's yeah. a difference between being like, this is out of alignment. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to step out of my comfort zone. There is the difference between the two, but like the, the methodology to get to the how is completely up to you. And that's why when I made that shift, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Kendra, like I don't have to motivate myself to sell. I don't have mm-hmm. to mar- motivate myself to market my business. One, because I believe wholeheartedly in everything that I'm selling. And that's the whole point of marketing. It's just letting the people that you can help 
know that you exist. So I have ants in my pants every day being like, I don't want women to feel like they have to follow blueprints, that growing and scaling a business needs to be hard. Like I want as many people to know like it does not have to be that way. And then I lean into my strengths when it comes to marketing. I love being on stories. I love, like you said, being on podcasts. So I lean into the things that feel good to me. So marketing then becomes so easy because I'm not doing anything that I don't want to yeah. do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think too, that that's something that you mentioned, you touched on was like the self-discovery is figuring out, you know, what does feel good to me? What do I enjoy? And I, I always say this and I, I use this, you know, kind of similarity in the past, but I remember watching the movie Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts, you know, years and years ago. And there's this scene where as soon as she stops trying to please everybody else and, and trying to change herself to fit into the guy that she's with that moment, she has this moment where she sits down and she's trying out all these different types of, of eggs. And she's like, which type of egg do I like? Because she's always saying, well, I like yeah. whatever type he likes. And I had a, that aha moment when I left my full-time job to start my business, to run my business full time. And I had that moment of like, what kind of eggs do I like? Because my yeah. whole life has been about what, what kind of eggs am I making for everybody else? You know? And I think that takes that kind of self-discovery time and that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight and you do have to kind of have trial and error. And for a lot of women that can be really scary, but it's so rewarding when you finally kind of figure out what you, what you like, what, you know, when you start asking yourself, what is it that I want to do as opposed to what is it that's going to either a make everybody else comfortable and happy or B is what I'm being told to do. So it's, there's, there's so much in that, but it's that self-discovery and taking the time and being open to saying, no, it's okay for me to figure out what I enjoy in my business and what brings me joy. And I can lean into that because like you said, it's going to be so much easier. It's not going to feel like you're working as much. You know, when I sit down to do these interviews and having conversations with women like yourself, this doesn't feel like work to me. This feels like something fun that I get to do. Whereas when I was trying to sit down in a room by myself and write blog posts each week, <laughs> it felt so much like work. <laughs> exactly. And we leak so much energy either in indecision or like trying to galvanize, galvanize ourselves. So mm-hmm. how much debating with yourself would it have taken to do the blog post in the morning, right? You're, that's when oh, you yeah. start procrastinating. You try and do everything else other than doing the blog post. Whereas when you're in that flow, and all of us know what it feels like to be in that flow. You don't need to galvanize yourself to do it. And you just, you get so much stuff done. It feels really good to do it. So the pursuit of doing the things that move the needle in your business feel good. So you're going to continue to want to do that. And because it feels good also, you don't have this one foot in, one foot out. And I see it so often and I'm always like reflecting it back to my clients that when you start to do things because it feels like the sexy thing that other people are doing, Mm -hmm. then you're constantly in this, but is it going to work for me? Is it going to this? Am I wasting my time? Am I going to put all of my effort into this and I don't get the results? Like that energy. Like it's not going to work because yeah. you're you're in that headspace. Um, so yeah, like if you could grow your business in a way that feels good, why would we not? So exactly. it's about yeah, challenging those beliefs that it has to be this one way. 
Right. And so let's kind of segue that into the sales aspect, because I think that's one of the areas where a lot of people are like, no sales has to look like one certain thing. And so how do we kind of apply those same concepts to how we sell in our business and how we communicate with other people about our product or our service without that feeling of like, I have to do it in this certain way that doesn't feel good to me. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. So the first thing I'd say is about really sitting with your product or service. And that's the foundation because very often as the founders, like we know that we've created something special, but we actually sometimes haven't done the market research. We haven't looked at the landscape. We haven't done any of those things. So we don't want to enter into a a sales conversation where someone may have an objection because we don't know what we'd say, or we don't necessarily want to promote it because we haven't created like language around why this is so special. Nobody knows how good your product or service is until they've bought it. So the person that can articulate that in the most compelling, clear, simple way will always get the clients. And that's where the biggest gap is. We don't have the language to be able to communicate it. So step one is to really sit, let's just use a service. You've got a one-on-one offer. Why is this offer transformational? What is the promise of this offer, right? Mm -hmm. What is the urgent, compelling desire of your ideal client, right? What do they, where do they want to be at the end of it? Nobody dreams about getting a coach or getting a, like they dream of the transformation. So what have you put into this program that makes you feel confident that you deliver on that, that, that transformation that your client is looking for? every single time. How do you do that? What are the things that you you walk them through? 
What are the features that you put to make sure that, you know, where they've tried other things in the past and it hasn't worked, this definitely works. You've taken all of that into consideration. And that requires like doing a SWOT analysis. Like what have they tried in the past that hasn't worked? Why hasn't it worked? How does your service overcome some of those challenges? Like I always say to my clients, you need to be like the waiter at a restaurant or a sommelier, right? You need to know Mm -hmm. what's going on in the landscape for you to know why yours is the best in class, right? So how have you overcome a lot of the, the, the weaknesses of the other options? So you're going to need to know what some of those other options are. Then you can really whittle that down into, um, value propositions that make this program really special those then become the things that you lean into in your marketing and it becomes really easy to do that because you've you've got you've gone through like what were the results of my past clients you've got systems in your business that allow you to keep track of what some of those wins are so you have so much language and verbiage to be able to communicate that in your marketing so that's the first point that i'd say because and that's really important because You guys, when you're selling somebody, oftentimes we rely on the client saying yes for us to believe in the service or the product that we're buying. Mm -hmm. No, the client buys into your confidence in the product or service to deliver on the, the transformation, right? So, so much of it is sitting with that and you really need to believe in the offer. You really need to know how it gets the client results. And that's what's going to make it really great and easy and in flow when you're then marketing. Because remember, all marketing is doing is just telling people that you can help them who are actively looking for it. The second part is very much about the mindset of sales, right? You just have to think, how many things have you done for free? Have you got for free that you haven't followed through on? I think we all have like so many freebies and webinar invitations in our inbox that we've never done anything with, right? Oh, absolutely. For somebody, (laughs) exactly. So the transformation is in the transaction, meaning that people have skin in the game when they actually pay, right? So what what's the point in creating these programs that really transform people's lives or deliver on whatever that desired transformation is if nobody's getting through them? Our job then is to tell people that this exists and this is how it's going to help you. So it's about moving the, the idea of sales from being something where I get something and you don't to actually, this is a way that I'm serving that person, Right. How do you feel when you're looking for something and somebody recommends an amazing product, right? You're like, I'm looking for this. And someone says, oh my God, you need to try this. You're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I've been looking for it. Your ideal client is actively looking for the solution. And that's oftentimes the, the challenge is that you're talking to people who aren't your ideal clients. So you feel like you have to convince them. You have to tell them. Your idle client is actively looking. So when you are presenting your offer, they're like, hallelujah, yes, <laughs> this is what I've been looking for, right? Mm, yeah. So it's, it's a form of service. And, you know, when you're buying something, do you think that, oh, they're taking away from me? No, you're excited about what you're getting in an exchange. Selling is just an exchange. And it's such a beautiful opportunity for us to dig deep into like, why am I really feeling triggered about selling? It, and oftentimes it's because we feel like we're taking away from somebody. And if you are being transparent 
you are communicating the value of the offer. You're putting your prices out there. You're not, you are being empowered. You're being the empowered entrepreneur, the empowered service provider, the empowered whatever. That attracts empowered clients, right? They are able to make informed decisions when they're purchasing. And that's when everybody wins, right? You get to win by getting your work in the hands of people that are going to feel the benefits of your work and you get to be compensated and they get the promise. They get the, the transformation that they've been looking for. So, so often, whenever we're feeling triggered about selling, it's because we are projecting our limiting beliefs around money and sales onto our ideal client. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I, and these are all things that I feel like, you know, we've heard, but when you put it into phrasing, like the way you've said things, it all just kind of falls into place. And the last thing you said about putting our limiting beliefs onto and projecting those onto the person that we're talking to. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, that is exactly like hit the nail on the head of how I have felt about sales in my own business for a while, because and I know a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, the talking point they stick on is, is their pricing and is the money aspect of it. They could talk about their product, their service and the benefits of it and the, the value of it all day long. But when they actually have to say, and it costs X, Y, Z, it's like they freeze up and they're, they're thinking, okay, this is the part where it's going to feel like I'm asking them to give something up, like you said. And and that's, that's definitely not, that should not be the sticking point because if they're your ideal client, then they are, they're willing and ready to spend most of the time on whatever it is you're offering. And so projecting your fear of money onto somebody else is only going to prevent you from being able to articulate and share that with some, it, it, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many thoughts running through my head. That was so yeah. good. <laughs> right. And it's like, if, if somebody doesn't buy, it's either one of like a few things. It's either that they were not your ideal client in that they don't have an urgent, compelling desire to fix that problem that you have a paid solution for. Mm-hmm. How many things like, I would love a nutritionist, but it's not like my urgent, compelling desire right now. It's like, and it would be nice to have. So I shouldn't even be getting on a sales call. Like the questions on your thing should be, making sure that that person does have an urgent, compelling desire. Otherwise you would be on a call with someone like me who's, I'm dabbling. I'm not like committed to changing that right now. Right. Right. So I wouldn't invest. And it's not about the price. I just don't have an urgent, compelling desire to fix that problem. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that they don't actually know what the promise of your, of this is like, what am I going to get? They don't have enough offer awareness. So you said that you have a one-on-one, but you just keep promoting like, my one-on-one is open. Okay. Why should I care? How does that help me? What am I going to get? What are the tangible results? They don't know the promise. Or thirdly, they don't believe that you can deliver on the promise. These are all things that you deal with in your marketing, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're communicating all of those things at scale. So you are speaking directly to the people that have an urgent, compelling desire. You're creating offer awareness and making it very clear who you help, how you help them, what the results are that you get. And you are doing a combination of teaching to show that you know what you're talking about. But even more so than that, you're showing that you're embodying the results that they're looking for. Because anyone can just read a book, listen to a podcast and regurgitate that on a mini training. 
I want to see that you are embodying the transformation that I would be paying you for. So all of that, when you have your market, those components in your marketing, it makes it safe for somebody to say yes. It makes it easy for somebody to say yes, because your marketing is so robust that you've overcome their objections. You've made it clear that you work with people like them. It becomes so easy then for people to say yes without Mm -hmm. jumping on a sales call with you, without coming up with loads of objections, without being triggered by the price because you've already put the price out there and you've, in your consistent, the way that you show up in your marketing, you have articulated why the price is worth it. So it then makes, when you've got those things in place, can you see how easy and light it makes a selling process? Oh, absolutely. Well, and as you're talking, I'm thinking back to like experiences I've had where I have either purchased something or I've hired somebody and thinking back on the, like, what was it that sold me on that course over a different one or that person's, you know, services over someone else's or that product over a different one. And it's all those things you just said. It's the fact that they, they answered all the questions before I even asked them and they were able to convey not only like you're going to get these physical things. You're going to get this transformation. You're going to get these results. I think that's where a lot of people, you know, I work with a lot of photographers and a lot of times when I, I ask them, you know, tell me what, what your clients are getting when they work with you. And they'll say like, well, they're getting a, a one hour photo shoot and they're getting this many images. I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to know about that. <laughs> I want to know what, what experience are they getting? Why, why are they coming to you versus the other person down the road? And just being able to put into words the, like you said, the transformation, even though it's not always a transformation, it's an experience, it's, you know, whatever it might be, it's the results they're going to get that aren't necessarily like the the rundown of the specs, you know, like when I'm looking for to buy a new computer, yeah, like the specs are important, but I also want to know like, how is this going to make my life easier? How is this going to make my day-to-day work go faster? And what programs is it going to provide me that's going to help with my business as opposed to how big is the monitor and how much, you know, memory does it have? Like those things are just numbers to me. I want to know. Exactly. Yeah. Transformation is about the feeling, right? Yes. Exactly. It's like who actually knows like how much RAM or ROM their their Mm -hmm. MacBook has. You just know that you want a MacBook, right? So, and that's another thing in terms of sales psychology is that people don't buy what they need. That's why people will buy the bag and not pay their rent, right? It's like, it's about with the buying process is so emotional. It's so emotional. And sometimes I think we could be so rigid with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just like the features. It's like, it's, it's an impulse. It's an emotion. It's so, yeah. And the transformation, it's not, like you said, it's not just a technical thing. Ask yourself, like, how do people feel when they're in your ecosystem? How do people fit? Anyone can do, a, you know, any photographer is offering, you know, an hour photo session. How, what's the onboarding process? How do you make them feel held? How do you make them feel comfortable on the set? Like, again, nobody knows that stuff until yeah. they bought it. So you need to be thinking about how can you show them all of these intricacies about the way that you make them feel held, taken care of, like streamlined, all of that kind of stuff. That's one of your unique selling points. So if you're not telling me in your marketing 
then you are another person in a crowded marketplace. So again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier, why it's so important for you to really audit your offer and all of these kinks that make it special, right? When we then have the create language around that, that we put it in our marketing, we get to market those USPs at scale to our audience mm-hmm. rather than on a sales call. Well, and I think that's, and I was going to ask you about that too. I'm glad you brought that back up again. When you're talking about, you know, creating the language and figuring out like what, what is it that, what is the experience, the transformation my clients are going to get from working with me or from purchasing this product that I have. If someone is sort of struggling with that, what advice do you have? Because I feel like that might be a sticking point where some people are like, yeah, that all sounds great. But when I actually sit down to do it, I don't know where to start. I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah. So two things, like I was saying earlier about being the waiter or the sommelier, you can't recommend one wine when you haven't tried the others. So you need to understand the landscape. Like what, (laughs) what else is out there so that you, you know then that this is how I have plugged the gaps because mm-hmm. I know what's out there. So for example, I sell a mastermind. I have paid to be in masterminds. So I could see like, this is the elements that worked really well. These are the things that I didn't really enjoy. And so again, I'm not asking somebody else, what should I have in a mastermind? Is it two pools a month? Is it one? Like, no, I've been in that. I've invested. I know, I know what works and what doesn't. So I've taken all of those lessons and I've infused that into my program. So mm-hmm. that is so important. Like you need to know your landscape. And again, because of that, when I'm communicating on a sales call about why my mastermind is special, I can say like, this is what, this is the thing. And they're like, oh my God, yes, I've experienced that. And I'm like, we don't do that here. And this yeah. is why, and this yeah. is why we get the result. And I can confidently say like, this is the best in class because I know it's the best in class, right? Rather than just theorizing on it. So Mm -hmm. that's the first thing in terms of the more macro level. On the more micro level, keep track of what your clients are saying throughout the experience. Mm -hmm. I have a Google Doc where, you know, when I'm touching base with clients, like throughout our time together, and they're saying like, oh my God, the way that you explained that just made it so much easier. Like I write this down in my, in just a Google Doc. So I'm keeping touch of all of the things that they're saying that they're really enjoying about their time with me. And also have an offboarding um, process too. We focus so much on onboarding, like get your clients to do like a questionnaire afterwards. So again, you can see in their own language, like what did they really love about working with you? What were the areas that, you know, really made the difference? All mm-hmm. of that insights from people that have already been in your ecosystem are going to give you so many ideas that you can then use and have the language to communicate in your marketing. Yeah, that's so true. Cause that's what I've done. Like, you know, I, in my photography business, I shoot boudoir sessions and for the longest time I was talking about them, talking about just the fact that, you know, you can create this really great gift for someone you care about and, and you, you know, blah, 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 these different reasons they should do the session. Well, once I started doing, and I started doing these kind of little in person because they were coming into my studio, we were spending multiple hours together and so at the very end, I would say, hey, do you mind if I ask you just a couple of quick questions about your experience? And I was kind of, I was just sort of recording them on my voice memos on my phone so that I could, you know, go back and listen to them. But that's when I started doing exactly what you just said, where I would hear the same things over and over again. And most of them were saying like, 
yeah, I'm, I'm giving this as a gift to my husband, but really I'm doing it for me. Or they would say like, well, I, I, I haven't felt this beautiful in a long time. You know, I've, I've been so busy being a mom and a wife and working. I, I never take time to do things for myself. And this was so great. And once I started hearing those things over and over and over again, I was like, that's what I need to be selling. I don't need to be so, selling the album. Exactly. I need yep. to be selling the experience and the, the feeling you're going to get when you walk out of the studio. And 100%. that was huge. And I also think one of the things that just being in business in general has really opened my eyes to is I look at things differently now in the world. So when I see a commercial on TV or when I'm talking to somebody in a store or when I'm looking online at different programs, things like that, like I look at them through a different lens now. I don't necessarily, like I'm looking at them from the lens of a, a client and a um, consumer, but I'm also trying to think like, okay, what parts of this process did I really enjoy and what parts did I not enjoy? And where normally I would just kind of skim over it and be like, okay, that was the, it is what it is. But now I really take the time to go, no, let me reflect on that. Like the restaurant we went to for our anniversary dinner the other night, what did I like? What did I not like? You know, what was it about the, how many times the waiter came to our table that I enjoyed or didn't enjoy? How much attention did we get versus how much we didn't get? And of course, you know, it drives my husband crazy because he's like, well, you just enjoy dinner. And I'm like, no, I'm, these are things like I, I think about now. Like it's, it's like my brain has flipped to this other side and I can't go back. <laughs> But it's, you know, when you, yeah, when you start kind of really evaluating your own experience as the consumer, it helps you to create an experience for your consumers that is going to be 10 times better. So just taking the time to start looking at those things for yourself, I think can be helpful too. Um, one of the great things about doing that just as your business begins to mature is that you start creating standard operating procedures around those things because sometimes you just do them you know because that's who you are but then what happens if you have an off day what happens if you start building a team they're not going to know those little things that you do so you want to then start creating these systems so it's not that you know one way to go to the table once another table goes four times right so the more that we dig into this we start to realize these are the things that are part of our secret sauce so let's create like standard operating procedures that like this is the way we do it so we have a consistency of experience no matter who somebody works with on my team no matter whether whether they're with us today or that they come in six months time it's the process Mm -hmm. so I love that yeah oh my gosh so there's so much good stuff here I like I was jotting down notes so quick while we were talking (laughs) so thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today and I know you're, you got a lot going on your plate today. We're a lot busy. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Um, one question I want to ask before we get ready to kind of wrap up here is I like to ask this question at the end of all of my conversations is sort of just a fun way to kind of give a little extra piece of advice. But if your best friend came to you today and said, okay, Naomi, I have this idea. I want to start this business. I'm super excited, but I don't really know where to begin. What would be your number one piece of advice you would give to her? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I would say, like we were saying earlier, don't be afraid to make mistakes, right? Test your hypothesis to mess up, mess up <laughs> make mistakes, um, and try and get an understanding about what your idol client wants. But then once you have that and you have that MVP, you know what people are wanting, drill down. One of the biggest mistakes that I made that I see lots of early stage entrepreneurs do is a lack of focus. Something begins to work. They listen to a podcast and they completely change course. And where they were focusing on -on one-on-one, all of a sudden they hear that everyone's doing courses, so they do course. Then it's someone says a virtual summit and now they're doing that. So don't give something enough time for it to have legs and have traction. So mm-hmm. experiment, test, and quickly get your MVP, your minimal viable product, and then go deep rather than going wide, right? Before mm-hmm. you start thinking about, I want to work with another avatar, another person. Yeah. No, <laughs> like really understand that one person. It's far more profitable to have a minimal viable product get so crystal clear on who that avatar is, what they need, all of that great stuff and create an ascension model for that one avatar and create that lifetime value than going on to the next thing. That's when you start to build lifetime value, you build profit and you're not in that customer acquisition feast to famine, right? Because you're over delivering on that MVP and you're starting to think, okay, I've got them that was like, what would be the next step? How can I continue to be of service to that person? And very quickly, you'll get out of that, like the tough beginning <laughs> stage and you're focusing on profit from the beginning. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I call it the shiny thing syndrome when you know people are like, oh, they, they start seeing results of something, but then they'll see something pop up on Instagram or Facebook or you know, they'll see that somebody else doing something and they're like, Oh, but let me try that. And I'm like, no, put on the blinders. Don't, don't get sucked into the shiny things, you know? <laughs> exactly. And that's why Kendra, just even to what we've been talking about today about marketing and sales, I always recommend like the rule of one, what is one traffic source, one conversion source and one core offer that you can go all in on. So I'll give you my example. My traffic source is Instagram. So when it comes to learning more strategies, I'm not learning Pinterest strategies, LinkedIn strategies. This I'm like, I want to go deep on Instagram. I've, I've, I've discovered that that's where my people are in. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Then my conversion source is my podcast, right? So people mm-hmm. go from Instagram, they'll then go binge my podcast. And typically when they work with me, they'll say like, oh, I binged your podcast. I love it. They get an understanding of my teaching style, how I help people, all of that. And it's the podcast that will then ultimately sell them into that one core offer that I'm creating all of the offer awareness, all of the, the, the language, all of the marketing kind of touch points about. 
So how can you go laser focused right now? How can you create one traffic source, one conversion source, and one core offer that you're going to go deep on rather than kind of splintering your focus, right? Energy goes where (laughs) flows, where focus is. Yeah, no, yeah, oh my gosh, I read that in the rules, that's so good. Well, it makes me think, like, this is totally kind of a side note, but the other day I was driving, well, I'd gone to visit my friend that lives in Denver, and I was driving back to Texas from there and stopped somewhere to get gas or get something to drink, and there was this little shop, like in a little shopping strip, and it was a donut shop, but it was also, it said, like, donuts slash, like, Chinese food. And so in the morning, they would sell donuts. In the <laughs> afternoon, you could go get like a chicken and rice bowl. And I was sort of thinking like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> like stick to one I thing know. and be really good at that. Like either do donuts or do like Chinese <laughs> bowls, but don't, don't try to do both in one place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you want to be known for that one thing because yeah. it's so much easier for you to leverage then people will start referring you, being like, you know, she's the go-to person for that thing. But if you're doing all the things, people wouldn't even know how to refer people to you because they don't know what your like your core thing is. Well, and I think too, like when someone asks you, like, what do you do? If you have to list off like six different things, then it's time to really like niche down because, you know, like again, going back to the idea of, like the photographer. Well, if you do photography, but you also create websites for people and then you also, you know, do five other things, it's hard to, for somebody to, to describe what you do in one short sentence because they don't know if you don't know. And so if someone can just say, she's an amazing family photographer or she's an amazing business coach or she's this or she's that, that's what you want people, people to know you for. So you have to be able to really niche down to what it is that you love doing the most and that gets you the most excited and that just fulfills you the most. Exactly. And I, one thing that I'll just riff off that, Kendra, is that when you do that, like with the example that you had, you're doing three different offers and essentially three different businesses, you have now splintered your time, splintered mm-hmm. your marketing into all of those different things. And that's when you get into like hustle city because you're having to push to sell all of those different things. When you fine tune on one, you price for profit, then you can scale with leverage. What do I mean by scale with leverage? You are able to reinvest your profit back into the business in ways that give you a higher yield return. So when you hear people, and I know it's so frustrating when you're like, you know, the more my business grew, the less I worked, but the more (laughs) money I made. That's why, because those entrepreneurs that are focusing on profit from the beginning are reinvesting back into their business so that they can reclaim their time back that does the things that move the needle even more, which increases their capacity to make more. But Mm -hmm. if you are constantly in feast of famine and one minute you have clients, the next minute you don't, and no one really knows what you're offering because you're having to flip between you know marketing lots of different things then you can see that you're never going to have enough profit in your business for you to reinvest for you to then take yourself away from the weeds and start to earn more and you'll get locked in that early stage where you're constantly hustling for every single client oh my gosh 
Well, yeah, I feel like I could just keep talking to you for hours and hours. (laughs) I I love this. Thank you so much for all of your insights and your thoughts and ideas and tips and pointers. So let's tell everybody where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast, hear more about your um, coaching services, all those things. Yes. So if you are kind of enjoying some of the things that we spoke about, I would love for you to come and check out our podcast. It's just the Lifestyle Edit podcast in all of the places that you find podcasts. And come and talk to me on Instagram. As I said, I love Instagram. and all about stories. So come and let me know what you thought about this episode or anything that you're thinking. If you have any questions at all, my DMs are always open. And I am just at the Lifestyle Edit. Awesome. And I'll have all that linked in the show notes. They can just quickly grab those links and and follow along with you. Thank you so much for taking your time to chat with us today. I loved every minute of it and I would love to chat more in the future. So hopefully we'll have you back on. We can chat a little more in detail about some other things as well. Thank you so much, Kendra. All right. Have a great day. Thank you again to Naomi for being part of our show and for sharing all of her incredible wisdom with us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Make sure you follow along with Naomi for more amazing advice and tips that she has to share over on social media and on her website and go check out her podcast, the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. All right, guys, don't forget if you like this episode, you want to say thank you or wish the podcast a Merry Christmas. The best way to do that is take a screenshot of you listening to this episode or any of the other Girl Means Business podcast episodes share it to your social media stories and tag at girl means business. I will be resharing those and personally thanking you for being a listener of the podcast. Have a wonderful week. Happy holidays. And I will see you back here next week. Same time, same place.